In this episode, I give you some key ways that you can spice up and prepare for exploration in your D&D games. Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. And share this episode with a friend if you'd be so kind. My name is GM Smudge, and welcome to the SmudgeCast. What's up, everyone, whenever or wherever you are? And as we've talked about before, there are three main aspects to D&D. Combat, roleplay, and exploration. And you can focus on one more than the other in your game, depending on what you like as a player or as a GM. But I believe out of the three of them, exploration gets kind of a bad rap and people like it less. And there are kind of these, these key aspects to it that I believe matter a ton that we don't really pay attention to. I think we're less interested in navigating the world as a player and less interested in engaging the the actions of the players in said world as a GM. Now, I do say this based on some polls that I've done on my Instagram, uh, talking with some close players and GMs that are friends of mine and playing myself as a player and GM. I think that Good exploration is way harder to pull off in a fun and engaging way, but if done properly, it will enhance your story experience because exploration is more than just like walking from tavern to tavern and knowing the name of a city on a map or looking around a jungle. Exploration is more than just information. It's about traveling in and through your story with ease and ultimate opportunity to do whatever you desire. Now, here are some truths to this. I think you can have crappy combat and crappy role play and that not really affect your games or story in a way. But if you have crappy exploration, you can't really work around that. See, I think what people misunderstand is that your exploration is happening 10 times more than combat and more than roleplay. And what else is true is that exploration really kind of like happens inside both combat and roleplay. So in a sense, exploration, regardless of your favorite kind of game type, is actually more prevalent whether you like it or not. Now, there are four main exploration types meaning the the main areas exploration does happen. And I've not heard this talked about at all in this industry, in the different podcasts and YouTubers that uh, talk about D&D. So please grab your notebooks or whatever and write these down. There are four main exploration types. Number one is location exploration, whether that's a content, continent, a city, town, village, or a singular path. Number two is terrain exploration, which is kind of like a dungeon, a forest, Iceland, ocean, volcano, etc. Um, then you've got three, which is people exploration, what they look like, what's on them, their personality, history, backstory, uh, their goals, their likes and fears and desires. And then number four is object exploration. What does it look like? And what's it do? And why? The whole game, everything about it, is about exploring everything. That's what D&D really is. Exploring your story with a character and with your friends. And that's part of immersion, and which is kind of why we say immersion over information, which go listen to episode three on this so you kind of get a bigger, big full picture of what we're talking about here. But all in all, I want to be part of a game that truly allows me to explore it versus only being given like chimey details that may or may not be, you know, getting me anywhere in the story. And similar to immersion over information, it's both these kind of these topics are kind of two sides of the same same coin just kind of applied differently but 
I hope I'm kind of hitting my point here already, but if I'm not, let me just, I'll restate it this way. If you as a player feel like you're incapable or even unable to explore and interact with locations, the terrain, the people, or objects, then your story will not be fun. Uh, GM, you need to, uh, well, before I even say that, let me kind of preface with, I think people do hate what I'm about to say, especially GMs. I think our culture as as GMs is kind of adapting this whole lazy DM kind of stuff, which is fine, but I think we're missing out a lot on this. But um, So, end of preface. You, GM, you really need to spend time and prepare. Like, you need to spend time, energy, effort, crafting the world, a section, scenes, and moments that are worthy of being explored and enjoyed. Or else the consequences of this, the consequences are, are a boring game, a boring story, a repetitive game, a repetitive story. I might be coming off strong here because it literally drives me crazy to waste time. I cannot stand sitting around with people, whether they're people that you love or people that you just met or, or even for me in some of my paid games that I do, if we spend three to four hours with these people not enjoying themselves, then what the actual hell are we doing? And that's why I'm here. I want to help you, player and GM, put to practice good storytelling in your D&D games. And today it revolves around how do we solve this lack of engaging exploration in our games, especially when exploration is more prevalent than combat or roleplay. Well, I do have a few ways, but they all stem from preparation. And you, will, you won't really need... Uh, a ton of, of preparation here. It, I mean, it depends on, on your experience and, and you growing as a GM, um, but I don't think you'll have great exploration or a story that's worth exploring if you don't prepare a bit. Um, and and I'm for me, I'm saying like 30 minutes to an hour a week planning my sessions. That's kind of what I'm doing. And I used to do three to four hours per session preparing, but as I've learned how to GM and build story, I'm focusing on core elements that I need to write and using certain tools that I set up for myself, which we'll talk about, that actually helped me and make it way easier for me. So I want to walk through five strategic ways that you as a GM can prepare for exploration. And players, listen in because these do apply to you and how you explore uh, in a relevant way in your story and in your world. So number one, generate lists. And I don't mean random encounter tables. I mean name lists, city name lists, towns, descriptions, uh, personality lists, equipment guides, adventure cost lists, things found in a city, potions list, books list, plant list, weapons list, lists that, uh, of things found in a blacksmith shop. I could go on and on. I have dozens of these lists at my disposal digitally, because I do everything digitally, that allows me with quick ease to pull up to help answer any and all questions from my players. Now, it's not perfect, However, it's going to allow the exploration to feel real, which is kind of the number one problem with average or below average exploration in your game. Uh, it's it's kind of like the reality that it doesn't feel real. <laughs> but similarly, you don't have to go into extreme depths for all of this info, just a, enough to kind of like allow for understanding and immersion. Now, I do believe that this kind of solves 90% of the questions that your party will ask. And 
players, if you can help support your GM uh, by kind of maybe just helping make these lists, <laughs> this will help you GM to start kind of feeling free um, to answer any and all questions that uh, are brought up. And players, this will kind of allow you to start to feel free to ask those questions because you know that the GM will have some kind of answer. And with this players, I 100% recommend you start asking more questions and trying to find more stuff and ask about items you want to see and where you're at and and be quick and, and put some pressure on your GM a little bit to advance their exploration storytelling skills a bit. Put them in the fire so that they can get immersed into your world and explore it with you. So in all of that, I kind of want to just give you my top five lists that I guarantee you will not complete or use all the info for either at least your whole campaign or maybe even for years. So here are my top five generated lists or, or lists that you should create uh, today that are going to help you set yourself and your game up for success. Number one is an NPC name list. Names for any, any different types of people. Number two is a magic list. And I think this is interesting. And, and you don't have, um, you know, many different specific magic um, uh, types. There, there, there's only a certain kind in D&D. &D. Well, I also created a, a longer list that's 14 different types of magic that, uh, you know, what they look like, what kind of a color references to them and, and how they work. But create some sort of magic list for yourself, especially when a, a player casts, you know, detect magic. Give them something that's actually worth giving them. Number three is a shop name list and description if needed for that said shop. Number four is weapons or armor list. And I would even encourage you to put a couple descriptions on there. Put the hit dice that connects with them just so that you can quickly give that over to your players as well. And number five, it's an object cost list. Anything that relates to cost and having a quick guide for yourself is going to be so helpful. Now, these are all, you know, super great and can get you started and get prepared for in your games because depending on your game, you'll use these potentially every session, which will make your life 100% easier. Plus, you're solving the improv problem a bit if you don't feel comfortable improving or if you're just kind of starting as a GM. Now, uh, I would say... I want to kind of give you also just a couple bonus lists here that are, are really, I think, fun and, and you could just have some fun building yourself is a rumors or kind of like legends list um, for different towns or different people. Uh, or if they're in a tavern, you know, they, you can just throw out a rumor and that might be fun or a local slash small quest problems list. This has been kind of a, a huge enjoyment uh, to use in, in, in my games at, at times um, in case the, my story is kind of like slowing down or maybe for you if your party has just made kind of like huge headway on a particular plot point and you want to slow your story down a bit or maybe it's an off week and you want to do kind of like a filler episode in your game those lists can really help and come into play for you but all in all lists generate exploration to help support hyper immersion and realism in your game and if you're not great at improv these are going to help a lot for you number two where would you go Okay, this comes from a place of healthy choices to offer to the players by asking yourself, based on what's happened or what's happening, where would I want to go if I was playing as a player? What would be interesting to me to explore if I were in the story? Now, I do think that can only go so far considering that you might want to do something then the players may actually do the opposite of, <laughs> which totally happens, honestly, more than not. But it's still good to even think about. So it's really less about doing what 
you want to do, but thinking through what are a kind of a couple paths the players in the group could go down that you can set yourself up for success a bit so that when they do explore down a path, you already kind of have it planned out. And they're like, well, how'd you know that we were going to do that? Well, because you're a genius, because you've thought through a couple of these questions. So what you're kind of really solving here is similar to solving the generation, the generating lists problem, but it's just making sure that you can create hyper-realistic exploration in your games, uh, wherever the players are and want to go. But kind of practically speaking, what I do is I kind of create everything based on scenes. And what I'll do is I'll kind of create one to two, three additional scenes or paths that I believe the players will go down and kind of just set myself up for success with creating some details that might be helpful. But an example would be like, if they have a specific goal, maybe it's like leaving the village to look for like a, like a tower. Maybe it's like a cool, like an invisible tower that houses a book, um, that could bring someone back from the dead. I don't know. Uh, something, I mean, that kind of is like a fun idea. I might actually use it. Uh, a couple of questions that you might ask yourself in that are like, um, you know, how will they find the tower? Um, how will they get there? Like what methods of transportation will they take? Will um, they go and buy certain equipment for their journey? Does anybody know about the rumor of said tower? And with those questions, you can kind of create yourself a couple options to help you know, ease into your story, you know, like maybe they, you, you set up a different, you know, a couple different options, but they end up taking horse and cart and they travel out of the town. And then maybe again, maybe it just didn't, it all fell flat and you had no idea that they were going to do that. But maybe just, again, you create another option of like a random NPC comes out and said that they've been listening in on everything that the group was saying and wanted to offer them some information. I don't know. It, it can be anything, but the skill here that I'm trying to say and for us to learn is how do we ask questions and understand how to ask questions as the players are asking those same questions so that we can provide a couple different answers for them to best provide them what they're looking for. I hope that makes sense. And if it doesn't, I guess, message me at uh, on Instagram at GMSmudge. Love to help you out there. But that is thinking through a couple questions as a GM of what the players would be wanting to do and creating a couple different paths for yourself and being a little bit more prepared. Number three is get a map. At the heart of exploration is about knowing where the location, terrain, person, or object is or where to find them so that the players can. A map isn't just something cool to hand to your group for immersion, in my opinion. I think it's it's more than that. It's a it's pivotal for gathering information and building strategy. I'm in a game right now as I'm playing as a player and uh, my GM provided the full map of the entire land that we are coming out of. And a lot of our story is travel. So it's been really, really great to be able to be strategic about where we're going, why we're going and how we're going to get there and be able to map out exactly how long it's going to take us and the routes that we want to take and hearing about the potential problems that we may face by going to, you know, and maneuvering around those specific locations. So Without that, it would it would just be really hard for me because I, it's hard for me as a player to see routes and locations and understand terrain and where it is. I mean, being told like something's one mile away versus a day's journey doesn't really provide me anything, you know, as as a, as a player. But if I can see it in front of me, like a literal path or potential uh, path, you know, properly seeing the distance, 
in some way, shape, or form, it, I feel like it just can provide me with some real decisions that I could make and boost my exploration in it at all. So practically, as a GM, what I do, though, and in my games is that <laughs> I Google Maps that already exist and I just use them. I don't think you need to use Photoshop. I mean, I do use Photoshop in different ways with these. And and you could use other platforms that are out there to build maps. There's tons of them. And there's tons that just generate them for you. I mean, that's something that you could do in, in all of these, which is awesome. Is and, But I just have fun going on Google and looking for ones that people create that are visually stimulating and already have everything written out, um, you know, that match kind of like the player's wants and kind of the world that we're in. And I print it off on paper and, and boom, you're all done. And everyone's happy. <laughs> I, I have in the past, though, purchased some different physical maps on Amazon and, and or I've printed some, I've purchased some and printed them off on like bigger paper. But that's not even necessary as well. It's just up to you and how you want to get creative. But you know what you can get away with. You know your time and you know your skills in this area. So, so do what you can. And I find that printing them off on simple computer paper, you know, black and white color, it still does the job well. But ultimately, having a map, again, is more than just literally a map. It's about providing information and building strategy, which helps a ton for exploration. So get a map. Number four. Limit your limitations, and I'm going to kind of go off a little bit on this. So uh, so hear me with a heart of love uh, for, for you, GM, and for you, player, because I've done this. I've seen this. I've experienced it. I've done it. But hear my heart in this. GMs, stop making your players roll for shit. That doesn't even matter. The whole idea of not being able to, like, see something or do something or try something is so annoying. <laughs> not being able to, like, destroy a door or something or just to, like, overhear something or even climb a freaking tree or learn something. Not being able to do that is just, like, so dumb. You, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll rephrase it. It's, it's less about that and it's actually more about how hard it can be is what gets me annoyed. The, the reason I think exploration can suck is because the GM thinks limitations are good. I think level three versus level 20, there's no difference in that your PCs are heroes. They are not gods, but they are heroes. Your exploration can suck because you make the players feel like they can't accomplish a simple task. And players... I, I say this with a love. I'm not trying to create anarchy in your table right now, but I think you can start to kind of push back and be like, can I really not see that there's a person with horns in the tra in the tavern that I'm like looking for this person? Like I can't see them or bring up the fact that your passive perception is 16 or something or whatever it is. GM, if, if there's a moment in your game where your player outsmarts your play, give them the win. If you forget that they have identify as a spell or counter spell and you just flat out say no to make it hard for your player to get what they well deserve, that is going to make your exploration in your story and world feel like shit. It's going to suck because they feel that they have took time to build this character and build this thing and, and took a lot of time to be strategic about it and you just keep giving them no's is actually going to limit your exploration and limit your story. And players, 
I think it's time for you to truly speak up in a healthy way and help set the tone for your games that you shouldn't need to roll for every single detail. If you build your monk and your dex modifier is plus five, right? And you already have your, you know, your plus three for your proficiency, whatever it might be. I don't know. It's just, it's just hypothetically. In my opinion, if your GM asks you to roll to see if you can just climb that tree just to look out and see insert and I'm, I'm eye rolling right now. If you could, you, you can't see, but I'm eye rolling. Just let them climb the freaking tree. But GM, you could say if so, if you're like, if you're super hyper, like, no, I got to let them roll. It goes blah, blah, blah. Maybe just like, let them roll just to see if they roll a natural one and let them know that though. And then make it a funny thing that happens because they rolled a natural one climbing a tree, but then let them climb the tree without a roll. And then, you know, let them roll their perception. I don't know. You, you see what I'm saying here? I think the foundation, what I'm trying to say is that we think the players want to experience challenge. And that's actually not 100% accurate at all. What the players want to do is have challenge, but experience the heroic overcomings of those challenges and experience success in the face of extreme conflict. And so as a GM, we need to rewire our minds to stop thinking that challenge in and of itself is what we need to produce more of. What we actually need to do is to create challenge and allow for the players to overcome them in a very fun, unique, creative, and heroic way. So I've done two things to help me make sure that I'm not limiting exploration in a fun and engaging way. So number one is for this is I've updated my DC ratings and two is I finally understood passive census. <laughs> so going to DC is like I've made my DCs just a little bit easier and anything over 15 is just already so hard. So I'll do like a DC eight for a simple action, but even then it may not even require a role at all, depending on the kind of character sheet that they have and, and the type of, a uh, way that they build it. So uh, I would recommend you, Jam, to rethink about your DC rating system and see how you can kind of bump things down to make it simpler. And you really need to start understanding passive senses. And I had to learn this the hard way. In one of my campaigns, I had a player that had a passive perception of 24. Don't get me started on that. That's crazy. But it's, it was fun for, for him, and it made sense to his character. Now, at that point, we were going back and forth, and he was pressing me about why he has to roll certain perception checks because he has a passive perception of 24. And I honestly had no idea why I kept making him roll for certain ways. I kind of was like, like oh, you're going to cheat the system in some way, which is such a dumb thought. It's just such so silly. Which then I finally understood why passive perceptions occur in D&D and how they actually work in light of you know, additional ability checks. So if you didn't know this, here's some learning for you as well. Passive senses is to like understand that something is out of order or something is present or something is is wrong here, but you don't know all of the details. Or it's like knowing someone is there, but you don't know what's in their hand, if that makes sense. So then you would roll a perception check to see exactly what is in their hand and be able to identify that that specific item. Does that make sense? But ultimately here, we as GMs really need to learn that exploration can come through not even rolling anything. Let them see what is actually being shown in in the room. Let them be able to identify and in and not even roll an insight check, but give them what they're seeing and sensing in that in that NPC. Like it's okay. Or just dumb down the DCs just a little bit. Now, again, all these things can be flexible, but I'm just telling you that if we are so hellbent on creating challenge 
we are going to miss explorative experiences in our world and in our story for our players. So limit your limitations, GM. And players, speak up. <laughs> and lastly, number five is, and this is kind of a funny one in my head, but it's just like players, I'm talking to you. This is your, your time now. Will you just stay together? <laughs> can we just stay together? Uh, I'm in a campaign too. Like players, can we, as group, can we just stay together? It's okay for you know, for us to experience exploration as we uh, move away from one another in the party. But if you want to experience amazing exploration in your stories, you actually have to kind of stick together at times, potentially more than not. I know it might be exciting and unique um, as an opportunity to go off and do something by yourself. Hell, I've done it too, and, and I still do it. And it's interesting. It just depends. Which... I think it can be really cool. You can have a great moment. However, there are certain elements to this that need to be made sure of. And I'm, I'll say this. If you're going to leave your party, then you and your GM maybe need to create like kind of like a five-minute rule. Meaning that anytime a player goes off and does something by themselves or even with another player and the whole party isn't present and just waiting, that it only occurs for five minutes or for a short period of time. I think this allows you and forces you to have to do that very thing that you want to do within a time frame or get back to the party so that you know, it, you don't, you don't take as long. <laughs> it's just simple courtesy. You know, we don't, we don't want to waste everybody else's time because we think that our story moment matters more than everybody else's time. Right. I mean, definitely be flexible with this. It depends on your group. It depends on your situations, but you have to have story awareness and social awareness to identify if people are just sitting around waiting for you to go in and steal the magic item and then bring it out. And 30 minutes later, they're just sitting there, right? Or if you attempt to steal the magic item and then you get caught and now the players have to figure out how to get your stupid butt out, <laughs> which in the end might be fun. However, you just, you have to gauge the room, gauge your story and make sure that you're not wasting people's time or wasting exploration opportunity for the rest of the party that they could be experiencing if they were also there with you in that room or area. So what does this solve? This solves allowing everybody to explore together and, and not explore while everyone else has to sit and wait because then it causes it to be kind of like a little bit harder for when everyone is is literally the people are sitting there listening to to what you find and then they have to pretend like they don't know what you found and how it all works right but again you can gauge this and be flexible as well as well but all in all here exploration at its finest is experience really i think with the whole party and if you want to jump away from the group let's stay under five minutes maybe even 10 minutes so that the rest of the party can jump in and explore with you and experience that exploration whatever it is so i hope this week you can start building out hyper experiential exploration in your games and as players and gms and begin to unlock the potential of your story which comes down to realizing that exploration is the backbone to storytelling in dnd in your combat and your role play. But if you're having trouble with this, go ahead and message me at GM Smudge on Instagram. Love to be able to, to help and support and care for you as a player or as a GM to make sure that your story is experiential and your exploration is uh, amazing for your, for your story and for your game overall. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe, hit the bell, follow me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so that you can get notified each week when an episode drops. And please do me a favor. It helps me and helps just make sure that we can all grow is to share this with a party member share this with your group share this with a friend and 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 say why you're you're you know this 
is helpful for you or what's something that you're learning from this um, comment below too i kind of want love to know what are some ways that that you can better exploration in your game is there anything else that i missed here that you would love to add to and then lastly make sure to add value to your game so that your game becomes more memorable see you later